Welcome back to the Thrill of Victory podcast. My name is Seth Yates, and joining me as always is the legendary Will Fain. And today we're going to continue our conversation about college basketball and about the next step in my journey, which took me to Oregon State University. Yeah, Seth, I think, you know, going, this is a huge step in, in your career from coaching aspect, just, you know, following as a close friend, going from just manager and then transitioning into a graduate assistant. I feel like you get more hands-on experience coaching-wise with that aspect of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, my role increased tremendously going from A&M to Oregon State. A lot of that had to do with that change. You know, going to, to a, a graduate assistant, you have a much bigger responsibility within the program. Mine at Oregon State specifically was video. So it was really, it kind of worked perfectly. I did video at A&M. That was how I kind of got my start. And then I go to a place where the main responsibility that they're asking me to do is the video. And it was really cool at first and when I, when I told uh, a lot of the guys back at A&M, like after that first couple months was I was doing a lot of the same things that I did uh, when I was up. And that's when you know, one of the things that I told the, the guys back at Texas A&M was I was doing a lot of the same things that I had been doing, but now my name was attached to it. Whenever I handed Coach Tinkle our, a video clipping of you know, one of our opponents, my name was attached to that. Very similar things that I've been doing before, but now all of the responsibility, the praise, as well as, you know, all the stuff wrong with it falls back on me, which was really cool, really different. And I really liked having that extra responsibility. Right. And then you so I mean, that responsibility of it. I mean, so could you kind of go into the, some of the things that came with that? I mean, like, how were you were you highly with, you know, scouting reports for teams that were coming up or. Was it mainly kind of what you were doing at a and where you were breaking down your own team's film? I was a little bit of both. Um, in terms of like our internal scouting, I was responsible for a lot of, you know, the post-game breakdown. So we would we'd play an opponent and then just from being in those coaches' meetings and being in the pregame meetings and the post-game talks and all of the, the conversations that I was in, got to be a part of, I knew what our game plan was and I knew what we were trying to do. So then after the game, my job was to go back and, you know, pull different clips of this is when we got that action. This is when we got what we needed. This was a part of the scouting report and we didn't guard it correctly. Just kind of stuff like that that we could look at and then learn from. Guys, we're we're struggling with ball screen coverages. Our, we're, we keep getting hit on screens. We need to do that. We need to, you know, avoid them better. Things like that. And that was really cool. That was the most nerve wracking thing for me because to that point, my job had been, you know, to be buddies with the guys, like to be, mm-hmm. be a cheerleader for the players. And now that was my first experience on the coaching side of it. So it's like, you know, there's are guys that I was really close with, but not to like, not that I was calling them out on video, but, you know, if they routinely messed up in the game, it got shown. I, I couldn't not put it in the, the film. Right. It, you like at a time, yeah, you were you were friends, but at the same time, you also had to keep people accountable for what right. they were doing. Right, exactly. And it was just different because it was my first time with that responsibility of I'm a coach now. I'm not just a manager. I'm not just a guy that's here rebounding for him. Not the water boy here. I'm 
a coach who's responsible for helping us get better. And my responsibility was through film. Right. And uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, your first year there, that was kind of the, the big COVID year, you know, fans restricted, only so many people can go to games. Can it just get into the experience of that? Because I know basketball is such a huge home court advantage type of game, especially college basketball. I mean, arenas are usually filled for the big home games and huge home series with Oregon. I mean, that's a huge rivalry. Just kind of get into some of that. I mean, I know the Pac-12 is such a great basketball conference in general. Yeah, so it was really weird. Um, no fans were allowed. We had to mask up on the bench. And at that time, it was just cardboard cutouts in the in the stands. And so my family actually they paid for them, and so they were at every home game. Uh, it was you know, that was kind of kind of funny. And then I got to take I got to take those home at the end of the year, so that was something else. But it was just different because you know you go to some of these stadiums that you see on TV a lot, like Gill Coliseum is a beautiful place and it's so huge that whenever we play it during that COVID year and there's no fans, it it. It's absolutely massive, and it's really hard to explain that. Like walking into that place and just seeing the air about it and seeing no fans was something that was absolutely crazy to me. And then we travel uh, to all these other places like USC. The Galen Center is huge. No fans there. Same thing at Oregon at Phil Knight Arena. Absolutely huge, but there's no fans. It, it was really crazy to be a part of. And then like at the same time, we were responsible for bringing the energy. Like there's no crowd to feed off of. So, you know, the bench was responsible for that. And so that was kind of fun to, to be a part of that and have a little bit more, you know, impact on the game mm-hmm. uh, you know, as much as you can have from the bench. Right. But right. And, and I think that's really what got a lot of Twitter clips popular throughout that season for college basketball, because the, all the energy for every team was coming from the bench and the bench players mm-hmm. that, you know, have different celebrations for a, a right. layup or a dunk or a fast break three. And I mean, so it was, I mean, just from your perspective, were a lot of those for just your team kind of like pre-planned by some of these players or. Yeah, I definitely think so. I, I wasn't a part of those conversations. Those are probably, they probably have those in the locker room pregame, but mm-hmm. they were definitely you know, pre-plan. They've probably talked about those. They've they knew what they were going to do if he if you know War Eath gets a fast break dunk. Everybody knew they were going to go absolutely nuts. It was so cool to be a part of and to get to witness. Yeah. And so let's kind of get into the transition of uh, life. You know, from being in College Station with the A and M program, but then going you know all the way to Corvallis, and you know what kind of the diff- the differences. One between the schools in general, Oregon State and Texas A&M, but then also kind of, you know, the city atmosphere. Right. So I would say Corvallis is 100% a college town. Um, it's, a, it's smaller than College Station, but everything there rallies around the university. Like you, there's Oregon State stuff everywhere. Everybody knows. Um, they know they're familiar with the coaches. They're familiar with the players. It, it truly feels like a college town, and that we are the the only show in town. And so that was that was a really cool thing to get to experience, especially coming from College Station, which is such a big town. Uh, it's you know Bryan College Station is two pl- two you know, cities right beside, right beside each other. There's a lot going on there. 
it was really different in that regard. And then, you know, also we, we're in the, we're in the mountains. It's absolutely beautiful. Ha- I had a much bigger responsibility to just a- all around. And so everything like all, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. Like a, a lot of colleges are the same. Um, but here with me having bigger responsibility and all of that, I feel like I got to know more people across the athletic department rather than at A&M. I was, it was only, you know, basketball. And it's also because at A&M, you know, basketball is over in Reed Arena. Right. Pretty far away from most of the other facilities for, you know, like football and softball and baseball, even, even track. Right. Everyone kind of has their own locations that they can go to. Right. And like in Oregon State, we had the basketball center, but that was right next door to Guild Coliseum where the business office was, where all the other coaches' offices were. And so I felt like I was interacting with the other coaches a lot more. Like I got really close with our baseball staff just because one of their coaches was roommates with one of our staff members. And I worked camp with those guys. And they're a really, really fun group of guys. Darwin Barney's like my best friend now. He played shortstop for the Cubs for a long time. And it was just a really cool experience all around. It felt super close. Like I haven't experienced a college where all of the athletic programs truly felt that close and supportive of each other. And then, you know, just like, I mean, you were saying it's like, it's a pretty big college town, but then how were, I mean, it it, probably that first season pretty difficult, but how are like the fan, do the fans really rally behind their teams? Cause I mean, just, you know, experiencing different things here at A&M. I mean, you've got, I mean, people who go, will flock for baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. football. I mean, they, they almost sell out crowds for most of the games, whether that be a big game or even a little bit of a smaller game. Yeah, I mean, we, our very first game of the season, or like our little tune-up scrimmage that we had, there was a ton of fans there. That was a my first experience with fans in the – area and that was awesome there was a lot of people there we were a little upset we had to reschedule our home game with Oregon and the date that was given to us for our home game was the same day as the national championship for college football and so we were super annoyed that of course there's something competing with that and so we didn't get as big of a crowd as we've had before and that was super annoying but it was still a pretty good crowd um and then, you know, we got, we went to Oregon and they were, there was nothing else competing with that. So that place was packed. So that was a little, that was a little frustrating, but I mean, yeah, the fans definitely, they sell out for it. There was football, basketball, women's basketball. The women's basketball team has been really good for a long time. Baseball, mm-hmm. soccer went to the elite. Uh, I think they were in the elite eight when I was there and there was student tickets for that sold out quick. It just, it's a college that really rallies around you know, all of the, all of the athletes, all of the sports. And it's a really cool thing to get to see. And then you know, we were talking about, you know, that Oregon state Oregon matchup. How, how was it, you know, being a part of such a huge in-state rivalry? I mean, between Oregon state and Oregon, I mean, what, how far away are the towns apart really? Uh, they are 40 minutes away. It, they are right on top of us. Uh, that was one of the craziest uh, rivalries to be a part of. Um, I mean, I'm really at a loss for words just trying to talk about it. There's so much hatred between the two schools. It's crazy. You know, you got Oregon who gets, you know, 
sponsored by Nike. Phil Knight went there, ran track. They get tons of stuff. And then there's there was us at Oregon State. Um, we still get good stuff, but no, we're not Oregon. And that's what a lot of people, they like to think of us. And so it was really cool to be a part of it. It was really cool to beat those guys. That first year we beat them at their place when they were ranked. It was like the fourth straight time that we'd beaten them there. And then we beat them again in the Pac-12 tournament. The second year, I think they beat us. Yeah, they beat us both times. Yeah, it was just super interesting. You know, even Coach Tinkle gets in on it. The the week of the uh, Oregon game, we're not allowed to have yellow Gatorade at practice. Right? It gets that intense. There's no green. There's no yellow. Full hatred. You know. It's it's full on hate hate week is what it is right oh absolutely and so you brought up you know that win in the Pac twelve tournament that first year and 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 that's when you know Oregon State had that amazing run and the whole Pac twelve tournament you know winning that and then carrying that momentum into the you know the big dance the NCAA tournament you know going pretty far you know so how how was that experience as a whole that was one of the craziest things I've ever been around. It was quite literally just the guys clicked at the right time. They started playing team defense. They started playing for each other. Um, guys got hot at the right time. It was really like it was a perfect storm of, you know, we needed everything to go our way. It was really kind of interesting because, you know, we were we were doing pretty good. We were pretty okay. I mean, we finished – for, uh, finished fifth in the conference, but we got, we got the fourth seed because Arizona wasn't eligible to play in that. And so that was a super exciting to go to that conference tournament. We had UCLA first round, went to overtime. Crazy. Then we dominated Oregon in the second round, and then we beat Colorado off of uh, you know some really tough plays down the stretch there. They missed uh, like a half-court shot to win it. That was absolutely nuts. I never expected – you know, something like that. I, I went there for the culture, just from my conversations with Wayne um, prior to me getting there, whenever I was still a manager at AM, that was what, what made me want to go to Oregon State was the way that he runs his program, the culture that he had, that was something that I wanted to be a part of and I wanted to learn from. And so it wasn't until I got there that I realized we were projected to finish 12th in the conference. And so I kind of got there and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Ooh, wait a minute. Right. And but then, you know, the way the way that he does it was everything was about, you know, playing as a team, buying into what we do and we're not going to cut corners. And I know a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches say that, but Wayne truly does run his program that way. And as soon as the guys bought into it and knew what their role was and knew what they were expected to do and what was required of them, that was when things started to click. And then that was whenever we had this magical run. Like I remember. He missed the shot. We win the game. The confetti starts falling. We're just running in circles on the court because we have no idea what to do. I just find one of our managers and we just start jumping up and down. Like It was absolutely crazy. It was one of the the most special things I've ever experienced. We charter out to Indianapolis the next day. We literally win the, we win the tournament. Um, game ends. It's super late by the time we even leave the arena, right? Because we're celebrating. We're going nuts. We're taking in the moment. We, our hotel was across the street from the T-Mobile Center. Uh, it, it It's like 1 o'clock or whatever, close to midnight. And we have a flight the next morning at like 8 a.m. 
and it's also daylight savings so we lost an hour so we were like exhausted on the Ooh. plane like four hours to indy nobody really thought this was going to happen so nobody has enough clothes for this trip we were just kind of hanging on by a thread we were they all uh part of like the welcome gift was these pair of march madness socks and by like the fourth day everybody's wearing those like i got i got no socks left i need to do laundry really banking on all the on the gear that you get for the tournaments and everything oh oh absolutely we we did that we were just the crazy part though with that though is we get there and like they give us our hotel we check in it's super cool we get our hotel room we get our team room we're set up we're watching we get uh we get a little pre-game meal not pre-game meal we just get like dinner and then we watch the selection show we go absolutely nuts when we see that we got tennessee just to see us there was so, was so special and so awesome covid was still a thing so we were quarantined to our hotel room for the entire time we were only allowed to go outside for about one hour each day we called it our our yard time right our, <laughs> like we were in prison we didn't get to leave so we could only go outside for an hour but like the hotel was connected via sky bridge to another hotel and then to this giant conference center so we didn't go outside we would walk across the bridge to go to you know one of the ballrooms over there for practice it was just everything was there there was no need to go outside we were all given a you know contact person from the ncaa that if we needed anything uh, we'd go through them like we if we needed shaving cream we needed toothpaste uh we'd you know go through that guy and he helped take care of us and he got us wherever we needed when i say like we weren't we were very limited in what we could do like it, it was pretty much in your hotel room or you're walking around this absolutely massive conference center and the hotels. It was interesting to like walk down, go to the uh, lobby, grab some Starbucks. And then, Oh, there's Roy Williams walking past me on his way to practice with his team. You know, that growing up watching these guys, I never expected to actually be in this moment. And so it was really, really interesting to just be there and that we even talked about it when we got back from the tournament it was we never got to like sit back and be like oh my god we we did this like, like, like there was oh, never like, like a time and moment to be like wow like we're actually like here right now like never got a full chance to soak it in kind of thing exactly like we didn't have that so we got back home we're in the conference room just hanging out just you know celebrating the season and then that was kind of when we're like we really just did that. Like we were, we just got back from Indy, but no, it it was so crazy to get to be there, to get to be with the, around, you know, so many you know famous college basketball coaches, and to go on a, a Cinderella run. So you were saying, you know, you get to see some of these great, you know, Hall of Fame type coaches and and players as well in the hotel room. So were most or if not all teams kind of in the same vicinity? And did you really get to, you know? make these types of connections that you know with different people and different coaching staffs or you know to where you could just kind of bounce different ideas off of each other for upcoming games or you know even you know further down the line in your coaching career just kind of have that ability to reach out to someone so actually we did not have that that luxury because of covid every team had their own floor which is not as glamorous as it seems. It was really more like a hallway was the way it was set up. And so there was like two hotels. Everybody was in there. 
in their hotel at the time, everybody had their own floor and you weren't really ar- allowed to leave. So you didn't really get to mingle with these other coaches. And that was one of the, the weird things of you know, talking to the, or our assistant coaches who had been there before and had done this before. They're like, this, it's the weirdest thing not to be able to go talk to my buddy. Who's a coach at one of the other schools. Like we weren't allowed to really do that. And so that kind of sucked a little bit, especially as somebody who was super young. You know, I wanted to network. I wanted to make connections. I wanted to you know, get to know these guys and pick their brain kind of like you're talking about, but I wasn't allowed to really leave and do that. That would be tough as, as a young coach with that Cinderella run. Elite eight run is what I want to say it was. And then was it Texas Tech? Is that where it ended? Houston. Or was it Bay- Houston? Yep, it was Houston. I knew it, was, I knew it was a, I knew it was a Texas team. It was crazy. So we got matched up with Tennessee in the first round. <clears throat> and we knew they were they were super athletic. They were a really good defensive team. And so we were excited about that one because we felt pretty good with our the way that we run our run our defense. We felt really good about being able to handle the athletes that they had just from our, our ability to switch from our, our matchup zone to man to man. We thought we could give them fits and really kind of take advantage of the lack of shooting that they had. And we did a pretty good job of that. We didn't give them any fast breaks. We didn't let them play in space. And so we were able to take that game. The next round we played Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma state. And that game was crazy. We played that one at Hinkle Fieldhouse, which is uh, it's where Butler plays. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so it's like a it's like an all time stadium. It's like legendary place. It was absolutely incredible. So we got to play them there. That was a, it. Was a back and forth game. They were very similar to Tennessee. So we were like, that's this is perfect, right? This is a, this is exactly what we need if we're going to make it onto the next round. An opponent who's very similar to the one that we just faced. The only difference is they have. Cade Cunningham, who is who was the, you know number one overall pick in the NBA draft, right? And so he kind of had this duel with uh, Ethan Thompson that was just crazy. I remember the play that I re- there's two plays I remember. One was Eth- they tried to hedge the screen hard. Ethan had to retreat, dribble. They chased him back to half court. So then he reattacks Cade, gets to the free throw line, and kind of spins back, takes a fade away from the free throw line, and just absolutely buries it. It was one of the prettiest shots I've seen. And then there was a little stretch where Cade hit, I think he hit like back-to-back threes and had like an assisted three. It went, it, it went from we were up 10 to we were up by like four. And we were like, oh, man. We went, yeah, it went from we got this game to, oh, no, this game is still going on. And so that was a pretty crazy stretch. But we, hit, we played great down. We just played great in that game. It was awesome. Great team defense. Maurice Kalou had a big game. Jared had his his flex that he his and one layup where he just flexed and it became a thing. It was really cool. So actually, in that moment earlier in the year, Wayne had told me uh, to snag a game ball against one. We played one of his really close friends, and he was like, "I, w- I want to have the game ball from the last time I'm going to play him." And so I was like, "Sure, cool, snag it, it. easy." Yeah, and so I'm th- in my head, I'm thinking, we're going to the, the Sweet 16. I'm going to snag this game ball. And so game ends. Everybody goes nuts. I beeline for the ball, grab it. I'm sprinting down the hallway, going nuts. Go to the like our little coach's locker room, throw it in the ball bag, run back out there. We're celebrating. We're going crazy. 
then we get all the players into the into the locker room, or we're waiting for Wayne to the throw the water and celebrate. And there's a knock, and the, there's a lady. Lady opens it, and one of the security guards points right at me. And then she, she's with one of the NCAA ladies, and they're like, "Sir, we need the ball back." And I was like, "Are you sure?" Uh, what what ball? I uh, know. I. I know it was upsetting. I tried. I wanted to give them one of the ones that we had brought to keep it, but they followed me into the room. They were not going to let me get away with it. So I had to ha- give it back to them. That was super upsetting. I tried so hard. Always, you know, a little extra effort, but oh, almost. Exactly. And then after that, we had to switch hotels. So we had to take all of our stuff, carry it across the sky bridge, and we headed to a different hotel. Or hang out for a week. That week was probably the craziest thing because these games you play you play on Thursday and you play again Saturday. Or if you're playing Friday, you play again on Sunday. So you got one day in between. So that one day to prepare is crazy because I'm I'm over here getting film for each of the assistant coaches, and so one of them is taking our current opponent, and then one the other two take one of the other two teams that we could potentially play, and then from that they're preparing for the game. And then we win. Then we find out, oh, Loyola Chicago won. We got to now start putting in that game plan the next day for practice. We got to have that film ready. So my time in the bubble was like the first three days of the week. I'm chilling. Like I've got, I've got some film stuff to do, but we've got like four days to do it. The coaches are already on it. Like I'm, they're giving me what I need and I'm putting it together. And it was super smooth. Didn't take us long at all. The next day, the next game was a mad scramble of getting everything done, getting film done, getting stuff, uh, getting scouting reports printed for the players, getting it sent to them, have it, like, have it on their phone. We're going through it. I, it was like four days of this is really cool, trying to you know just soak it in, and then three days of I'm getting no sleep. Yeah, just, I mean, going – what, 90 miles an hour every day of the week almost? Yeah, actually, the, the computer charger that we used that I had was actually dented because the night that we were going to play the Pac-12 championship, I ended up having to I, – I was working on it all night long, and I fell asleep in my bed, and it fell. Computer's fine. Charger works fine, but, like, the plug port – or, like, the, the plug is, like, dented in sl- slightly. It still works perfectly Ooh. fine, but it, it I was terrified that I broke it, and that was my only one. I, so it's just a little reminder of the you know the tournament and the run that we had. That's how I looked at it for the rest of the year. But yeah, that stretch was crazy. Just the preparing, all work all day, all week to prepare for one game, and then you pretty much do a full week of prep in less than twenty four hours because then we're playing the next day. It was super crazy that Loyola Chicago game was probably one of the best basketball games that I've been a part of or that I've ever even seen just because it, it, it was two teams who were playing the best defense of their season going at it. So it, it I want to say it was, it was like 17 points at halftime. It was like 17, 23 at halftime. And we went in, we went into halftime feeling good. Like, Oh, this is a, we got a good yeah. lead. We were only up by like six points. Right. It was just an absolute slugfest of just two teams playing incredible defense. Who's going to, you know, get enough stops to win the game. And then ultimately we won that one. And then play went to Houston. We started off super cold. 
Uh, it was our first game inside Lucas Oil Stadium. They had already played there prior, so they kind of had a little bit more, a little bit better feel inside, just like huge background. Depth of field is crazy in there, so it, that that affects shooters quite a bit. And so they'd gotten to play there already, so we're, you know, you don't want to, you know, point fingers at stuff or whatnot, but. Right. And I, think, a, I think that's one thing that not many people realize about, you know, basketball, how every gym yeah. is different. It's completely different how the goals are and how the, the seats are. Because, I mean, if, like, the seats are going, like, way back and they're right behind the goal, I mean, it's really hard to tell it's where you're kind of shooting at. Yeah, no, that's one reason why, like, freshmen will come in as really highly touted shooters, and then it takes them a little bit to get going because in a high school gym, you, you're shooting and you've got a wall right behind the basket or, like, seven, eight feet behind the, the basket, there's a wall. Well, now it, it's just rows of bleachers. You're right smack in the middle of a stadium or a coliseum or wherever you're at. It's a lot harder to get used to. That was a little bit difficult for us, especially considering that we were shooting the ball so well to get to that point. We were a little bit nervous about, is our shooting going to translate? And we started super cold. I want to say we were down like 18 points in the first half to Houston. It wasn't pretty. We were uh, – it was – just shots weren't going in. We were getting good looks. They just weren't dropping for us. And then they were super athletic. They were super aggressive. They were playing a really high-pressure defense uh, that was causing turnovers, and they were getting to play in open space and play in the full court. And that's really kind of – that was what they had on us was they were longer, they were more athletic, and so they were they dominated when we played in the full court. Our guys turned it on. We fixed it. We, we cut it to like 12 or 10 going into halftime. We ended up actually tying it up in the second half, and it was it was tied up with about three minutes to go. We were about three minutes, two and two minutes and some change from going to the final four. And and the play that I remember, the play that changed it was we went to a one three one, and we're flying around. They get they take a corner three, long rebound. The, they they it was like an unlucky bounce. They snag it, fire it to Quentin Grimes at the top of the key. Our guy was there. He had to. He was hustling from the corner, try to contest it, and he just gets this wide open three off of an unlucky bounce, and they hit it. They go up three, and then we ultimately end up losing that game by like seven. But I just remember that play was kind of like the dagger that was like one, the, one of those moment. momentum builders. That was one of those momentum plays that was so hard to get back just because we'd been playing so well. We were contesting all their shots. They hadn't hit a three in such a long time because we were flying around, no open looks. Our zone was making it really hard to get a decent one. And that was the thing was they put up a contested three with a horrible bounce for us that they snagged, fire it to the top, and get a, a wide open three off of that. And then one other thing that not a lot of people know – that was super frustrating was there's a rule in the NCAA that if a game starts at 7.30, you can stay the night. You can stay overnight and leave in the morning. If the game starts before 7.30, then you have to go home that day, which is, right, I didn't know about that until we until tip-off for that game was like 7.20, and we lost, and 
we're pretty much told, here's your charter flight back home, or you guys can stay the night, but we are not going to cover it because of NCAA rule, you got to go. And so we literally, we got into Corvallis at like 4 a.m. It was absolutely gross. It, we lose a heartbreaking game. We get back to the hotel at like 1030. We pack up all of our stuff. We're leaving by like 1130, 1145. Bus to the airport. We're we're in we're in the air by about like eleven thirty, in the most uncomfortable plane I've ever been in. So it was it was such a rough, rough flight back for pl- multiple reasons. One, we just lost a heartbreaking game. Oh yeah, season's over. Now I'm cramped in this little seat, and I'm not even the. T- I mean, we, Coach Tankle's seven foot tall. We have a bunch of our players. I'm like I'm cramped. I can't imagine what they're like right now. And I was like, I just wanted to sleep, but I couldn't because it was so uncomfortable. Right. And then, you know, so, you know, that season ends. And then going into that second season, this is when, you know, you kind of got with a lot of, you know, our good friends that, you know, we all had classes together at A&M. And you were like, hey, guys, you know, Oregon State plays A&M. It's here in Corvallis. You know, it's in December. If, you know, we kind of make this plan in the here and now, we can all, you know, come see you, we, you know, we'll go to the game, you know, we'll kind of hang out for, I mean, almost a week really is kind of how we had it planned. And so, I mean, it was, it was me, you know, you and Madison, our friends, uh, McKenna and Bill Madison. And then, you know, we end up bullying our other friend, Matt, who had severe FOMO into coming like day of the game. So, I mean, you know, just kind of how, how were you dealing with, you know, all of us, you know, coming to see you and then, you know, kind of the buildup of that week of, you know, playing, you know, former school, you know, how were guys, you know, giving you different treatment of, you know, like, hey, like you're, you're here at Oregon State, you know, don't, we know that you're, you know, from there, went to school there, but no worries here, who you're with now. Yeah, no, that was awesome. I absolutely loved it just because, you know, I, we hadn't had fans yet. That was the first year that we had got to have fans. And so that was really you know, exciting to, to have people. And so my family ended up coming up for a game. You guys came up for a game. It was really, really special, really fun. No, but I loved it. I loved you know, getting to see you guys. I hadn't seen you in a while. And then I was kind of getting to share my new hometown with you guys. And so I absolutely enjoyed that. It's always fun, you know, when you get the you get the group back together again. But it got stressful when we got to game day just because, you know, Matt decided to fly up there the day of. So, you know, I'd always, I always got to the gym a little over two hours before the game started. So I could kind of get all of my pregame stuff taken care of. And then we could roll into pregame shoot around game time and everything just to make cleanup easier for me. And just to make my life better. I got an earlier start on that. Well, Matt decides to fly up and, Game was at four. Matt lands in Eugene at like one. Yeah, noon or one is one of the one of the things. He landed at one, and it's a forty minute drive away. So like, I we did pregame shoot around. We did all of our like morning practice stuff to get ready for the game. I come home after pregame meal, snag you. We go drive forty minutes out there, get him, drive back. I'm like, awesome, welcome. I got to get to the gym. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'll see you, with, yeah. see you guys there. 
So that probably wasn't the best planning. He should have just sucked it up and came earlier. We should have had to bully him into it. Yeah. But no, it, it was really fun. A lot of the guys were giving me crap about it, about playing, you know, A&M, especially because I wear my Aggie ring every single day. They've all heard about the Aggie ring. The coaches have heard about the Aggie ring. And so that was a big thing was everybody was like, everybody knew you know, just how much I loved my time at A&M. That's the only game that I didn't wear my ring was when we played A&M because I had to like let the guys know that, no, this is where my loyalty is not there anymore. And I will say that was a really, really cool game coming from there because I knew I still remembered a lot of the actions that we ran and a lot of the principles that, that we had uh, just for the defense and such. And so it was really cool for me to, to be there and be on the other side of things, knowing what they're going to run. And like hearing the call, I knew exactly what the play was. Um, it didn't matter too much. I think they ended up beating us pretty good. My insight didn't help us all that much, but it was really, really fun to, to be more involved in the planning and right. game prep for that. And then, you know, even after the game was probably one of my the cooler moments for me was you know, during my time at AM, I didn't interact with Buzz all that much just because, you know, he was a really busy guy. He had, he liked to do things a certain way. He had or time for things. And so I was honestly scared of him when I was working there. And then game's over. I'm shaking his hand, you know, post game. And he just kind of shakes my hand, gives me a little hug. It's like, hey, I'm I'm proud of you, Seth. You know, you've you've done a great job here. Keep it up and you, you know, you deserve you know all the stuff you got coming for you. And so that was a really cool moment for me because I, at, to that point, I didn't know if he really knew my name because I was only there for a year. I was right. up on the balcony. I didn't interact with him all that much. And so whenever he, we had that interaction, I was like, that's really cool. Like I, I had a great relationship with Coach Tinkle at Oregon State. I, I absolutely love, love Wayne. And so like I knew I had that relationship. I didn't know that that was what, you know, I kind of had something like that with, with Buzz. It was like, man, all, all the work that I did put in, you know, it, it did pay off kind of kind of moment there. Yeah. It was just really cool. Like whenever you get kind of that that validation from a boss that you have or that you've done a good job. And it's like Wayne, it, Wayne's phenomenal. I absolutely loved working for him. And he, you know, he told me a lot, you know, not all the time, but like he would tell me like, hey, you're you're doing a great job. Like keep it yeah. up. You've done it. You've done a great job. You've done a great job. And so that was really cool. And so to come back from like my boss that I had two years ago, like, Oh, Hey, yeah, no, I actually, I knew who you were. Like you were, you're, like you, you're, you're doing hard. a great like, job. I'm, yeah. Like I'm proud of you. You've, everything you've done has been phenomenal. That was really kind of just cool. Like that compliment on the back end. And then, so I guess, you know, we can kind of get into, you know, kind of where you're at now with, you know, things no, no longer, you know, graduate assistant, you know, actual coaching job kind of thing. Yeah. I am a, actual assistant coach at a NAI school in Montana now it's really different I'm still trying to to work on that assertiveness in practice you know I'm not their buddy right like the kind of like that change going from the manager to the GA but now I'm an assistant coach it's even more of a significant step like I love working out with the guys I love helping them get better and helping them improve and I feel like I've done a really good job with that. But then when it comes to practice, like that's a different, different switch. Now I'm not, you know, helping them. Now I'm critiquing. Now it's, hey, we need more effort here. 
I got to be able to call a guy out when he's not bringing me his best in practice mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just, you know, Hey, you're good. Hey, you're good. Clapping it up. Uh, and so that's kind of the biggest adjustment that I'm having to make. That's kind of the thing that I'm working on, right. Is I feel like I'm making strides and getting there, but that's kind of like the biggest adjustment for me. So, you know, coaching aspect are, are you, what are some things that you kind of took away from, you know, Buzz and Wayne to kind of mold the type of coach that you want to be and are, you know, becoming? Oh, 100%. I feel like the way that I approach things is a very, very much a combination of the two. And it's something that I'm really excited about because whenever I'm talking with uh, our head coach about different drills and stuff and different things we can do during practice or even, you know, with, with games, he spent time with, with Wayne as well at Oregon state. And so he knows a lot of those same things. And so now I'm able to present those different drills and stuff, those different concepts that from Texas A&M, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm loving that. I'm loving getting to, to bring that in, but in terms of what it's me and what I'm doing, that's kind of the, the combination of the two. Wayne was really big on if this is going to go far, it's got to be player led. He was really big on leadership aspect. And he's like, if this is my team, we can only go so far. As soon as you guys make it your team, there's no telling how far this thing can go. And that was one of the, that was a really cool thing that he, that he did. And that was honestly why we made that elite eight run was because the team took over everything. Everything that we did was theirs. They, they bought into it. They took ownership of it. You know, they held each other accountable. They called each other out. We didn't need to do that. And so that's one thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to encourage that. Uh, one of my responsibilities is the weight room in our lifting schedule that we do. And so I've, I've had that conversation with the guys. Like, look, I want you guys to make what we do up here. I want you to make that your own, but you've got to keep it within yourselves. We, we got to stay on task. You can make like make it your own, have fun with it. But the second you guys start goofing off and you know veering off course, that's when I got to step in, and that's when we got to pull it back a little bit. And with Buzz, it's you know he was super detail oriented, and so I feel like a lot of my like, instructional stuff or any of the stuff that I work with the guys is super detail based, just because at A and M we'd run a drill for twenty minutes because if a guy couldn't run it right, there was no shortcutting the drill. If he says, get to the corner, you get to the corner, not just in the area of the corner, you're getting to the corner. Details matter and all the, the small details matter. And so I feel like that's part of one of the things that I've taken from, from Buzz. Well, Will, I think that's going to do it for us this week. You know, I love having these conversations with you. I really enjoy you know, having this platform and getting to do this and just you know, having fun with it. You know, like, like we said before, it's something that we talked about for a little while, something that we both thought would be a lot of fun and something that we thought we could be pretty good at. And I, and I'm really proud of this thing that we have here and what we've made it in such a short time. Oh yeah. This, this has been one of the best experiences that I've, I've really had, you know, the, the connections that we've made with different people that have been able to come on here and, you know, kind of have their stories that they want to tell. And I, I think we've really got some fun things in store for all of our wonderful listeners. Absolutely. If you guys have any questions for us, you want to, Want to let us know what you think? Email us at email us at thethrillov at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. 
If you have any questions, you have any other stories out there, manager stories, GA stories, any, any college basketball, let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to get that going. That's going to do it for us. Look forward to putting out next week's episode. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.